Welcome to season three of Marla by the Numbers, the podcast from the International Association of Fairs and Expositions with your host, Marla Calico, the president and CEO of the IAFE. Podcast number 21 is sponsored by eTix. Today's guest is Tim Carson of the Alberta Association of Agricultural Societies. And the topic is keys to strategic planning success. Let's listen in. Welcome, Tim. It is fabulous to have you here as our guest today. And I'm really looking forward to, to this conversation today about strategic planning. But before we get underway, you know, you and I, we've known each other for a few years now. I've had the, I've had the privilege of attending uh, your association's convention a couple of times. So, But tell us a little bit more about yourself. What is your role with the Agriculture uh, Societies of Alberta and uh, kind of how you got there? Uh, okay, and we'll try to keep it as a short story because it's a very long one, quite honestly. Uh, so I'm the Chief Executive Officer for the Alberta Association of Ag Societies. I've been in this position now for about 11, almost 12 years, I guess it is. Holy smokes, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I w- became a member of my local agricultural society about 28 years ago. So I've been involved with the organizations in some way, shape or form for quite a long time. And it just seemed a natural progression for me to, to continue to get involved and look for ways to influence and positively impact this amazing sector. That's great. How many ag societies are there in Alberta? We have 291 agricultural societies in Alberta, the uh, largest one now uh, being uh, Calgary Stampede, which many folks have, have heard of in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. and all the way down to uh, very tiny communities that uh, you know have a, a one-day fair and a, and a hall, community hall and things of that nature. So we've got about uh, 58,000 volunteers involved in the Ag Societies program here in Alberta. Uh, they own and operate over 700 facilities. Uh, in those rural communities, which uh, are instrumental and vital for their vibrancy. Absolutely. That's one of the things I learned by attending uh, your convention, just how vital those facilities are to the community. And, you know, and that's true worldwide. Uh, but I think particularly in those rural communities, small rural communities, that ag society is the hub of everything that happens. So congratulations on all of your work with the society. It's been great to, to see how it's grown and how engaged your members are. So, Tim, a, a few weeks ago, maybe months ago now, um, we had the opportunity of hearing you make a presentation to our online event called the Management Conference Reimagined. And you were talking about strategic planning and, and that session got you know really great reviews from everyone attending. Um, I know I was particularly interested as the IAFE is going to undertake a, a new update to our strategic planning process in the coming year. So we wanted to talk about that today and, and talk about, um, you know, it's important to have kind of a solid foundation when you go into this, but you need to understand what are the key components to having a successful strategic planning process. So why, why don't you launch in? I know you've got three or four items you want to talk about today. Uh, of course. So I, the first thing that I think is actually imperative is understanding what it is that you're trying to accomplish when you're going into some sort of strategic planning. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, there's many different types of strategic planning. Uh, the two that, you know, leap to mind and are most common are either operational, uh, which is something that, you know, we're looking into the, the business of what we're doing, whether it's an event or operating a facility or something along those lines where, you know, you're actually pulling different people and we're pulling staff members, we're pulling some volunteers, whatever that looks like for your particular organization. And we're going to, you know, have a conversation about where do we where do we take this event? 
The other one's an operation uh, is pardon me organizational, and it's it's a much broader conversation, and it's it's more based on you know why are we here, where what are we trying to accomplish, and where are we going, uh, which you know is um, the two types of strategic planning are very very different. One is more executional, and one is more uh, creating a direction. Hmm. So in, in your experience, of, let's just hone in on the ag societies there in Alberta. Do you see kind of an even mix or is there one type that's more prevalent or do they come in cycles? Sometimes you need organizational and then a few years down the road, you need operational. So for the most part, our ag societies are almost completely volunteer driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with volunteer organizations, one of the challenges that they have is they don't actually think about strategic direction. They think about operational direction. How are we going to redo our event? What does it look like next year? What does the next event look like? And we're always sort of overwhelmed by the uh, uh, priorities of the day. So we actually don't think, we don't do any forward thinking. We, you know, the most forward thinking we do is, okay, we got to book that for next year. Uh, where So most of the uh, conversations are, um, most of the strategic conversations are around what are the challenges to our success and how do we strategically look at getting those dealt with so that we can move forward in a, in a productive fashion, whether it's, you know, I, I find it all the time. It's very interesting that most of our ag societies are have two consistent complaints. One, we don't have enough money. Two, we don't have enough volunteers. And I, I don't think you can go to it. It's very common across the the, uh, the the landscape that those are the two major complaints. Yet nobody sits down and says, "So what are we going to do about it?" Mm-hmm. And that's where that strategic conversation comes in. Absolutely, and and I would think that the organizational one. Um, that's, it can be challenging because it's, uh, you know, you're having to look inward, you may be having to tap into some emotions, perhaps, uh, as a volunteer, as a leader that that you're not comfortable with, because it's really, you know, I think we all believe that 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 we're doing fine, but we know there's something else to strive for. So um, have you found some of those those challenges in, in helping ag societies get through that type of, of, of um, strategy? A visioning, I guess you might say. Absolutely. I think one of the uh, biggest keys for any board is to actually understanding why the other board members are there. You know why you came to that board, mm-hmm. uh, but understanding what's motivating all of those other uh, directors that are sitting around the table helping make decisions uh, is actually quite crucial uh, for success. Uh, it, it helps alleviate a lot of conflict if you can understand where that other person is coming from. The other piece that I find is uh, is becoming more and more of a challenge uh, in today's uh, constantly changing world is that uh, we've attracted really great people to our success. Uh, Whether our success is around the events that we do, the fair, the rodeo, whatever that looks like, or the success is operating the facility, we've attracted people to that. And uh, what has happened over time is that the people who are now making the decisions have become so focused on that singular piece that we've lost our diversity. We've lost the ability to actually impact all four corners and every nook and cranny of the communities that we're serving. And we have become isolated, if you will, because we've been attracted to that particular piece of success. And I think the conversations that we're able to have 
open up that broadening of, of what we are actually here to accomplish as an organization, not as an event, as a facility. So those types of conversations uh, really do have the what I call light bulb moments <laughs> yeah. for, for people because really if you've become so isolated or so focused, the numbers of people that want to get involved with your organization or even those who want to become stakeholders, whether they're governments or corporate entities, whatever that looks like, uh, are, are suddenly become very uh, um, limited because you are focused on one thing. Excellent. That, what a great observation. And I think very important for our times right now. It, it really, I, I can just um, immediately came to mind examples of some fairs around the world where uh, that's like, okay, this is something that we need to have happen right now. So great. So, so first of all, we're going to find out what it is we really want to accomplish. What's the next step? Uh, having the right facilitator. Um, <laughs> there's a, a plethora of organizations, corporations, and individuals who do strategic planning. They do a great job. But aligning a strategic planner or facilitator who, first off, understands or has a base understanding of your organization and who you are and what, you're, what you've accomplished in those types of things, doing that bit of a history piece. Also understanding your customers and your stakeholders. And then that doesn't mean that they need to be, you know, well-versed in it all or anything like that, but they do have to sort of have this broad base of understanding of where we align as, a, as an organization or even as an event. Um, you know, that facilitator does need to be relatable to the people in the room. I think that that's, uh, I, I've been part of strategic planning as, as a participant where the planner itself almost seems like a, uh, like your dad talking to you as opposed to a peer talking to you, right? Uh, you know, where there, it becomes very corporate. And one of the interesting uh, comments that I hear constantly when we talk about strategic planning is like, oh, God, I hate strategic planning. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is one of the most creative times that you have as an organization, as a board member, where you have the opportunity to think of something that's never been thought of before, to go in a direction that makes absolute sense, but you just have never really uncovered that. And in order to have a to have those sort of aha moments and those moments that really drive the passion about moving forward, uh, you need to have somebody who who can really draw that out of the crowd. Uh, and the other one is, you know, you need to have a facilitator who's who's willing to ask the hard questions. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and in, at times to make it uncomfortable and, you know, draw that, that level of conversation out uh, from all of those individuals in the room uh, and, and you know, sort of quarterback the, the conversation to, to take it into a direction that, you know, doesn't, we've not been in before. I, I've seen so many strategic plans where, you know, we basically paint the combine a different color. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the same combine. We're doing the same stuff. We're pushing the same stuff through it, but we've just painted a different color. We've got a new, you know, we've got a new logo or something along those lines, but we really didn't make any strategic changes. Yeah. And I think that's where the, the facilitator really does play a key role. Yeah, that's that's an interesting concept. I can I can again I can just see that happening time after time. So, have you had experience like going through, let's say, a particular ag society that's gone through different iterations over a period of time? Because you've been with the association for eleven years. Do you see that using the same facilitator every time, or seeing bringing someone new in each time? Thinking about the fact that this is not just a one and done. It's something we need to to do on somewhat of a regular. basis. 
Yeah, so I'll just use our association as, a, as an example. So uh, we do a three-year strategic plan, which we redo every two years. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we do strategic planning every two years. Uh, we historically like to use the same facilitator at least for two strategic plans. Mm-hmm. It allows a level of a bit of consistency, if you will, uh, in the conversation and allows us to sort of revisit where we've come from and that bit of time with somebody who's through the first process. Uh, that said, after a couple of years, after a couple of sessions, if you will, however that looks, um, bringing in a new perspective, uh, still trying to find that person who understands what's going on and taking the time to read your strategic plan and you know do some investigation in that does shine a different lens on it. And uh, so that's what that's what we do, and we found pretty good success with that over the over the eleven years that I've been here. Uh, we've had some great facilitators, and we've had some that our port didn't really connect with. So <laughs> I, I have had the opportunity to be on both sides of that, and and understand the value in that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. My experience has been been similar as well with the IAFE. So before we leave this particular topic, just a thought, knowing that so many of our members across the IAFE are the small county fairs and the smaller ag societies, limited resources, all volunteer led. Is there a, a couple of reliable good sources for finding that facilitator? I mean, for example, can you get one from the un- local university? Is that a place to start or your local CVB chamber visitors bureau? Uh, you know what? From a from an IFE standpoint, I, I'm not sure that I can speak eloquently in that particular area. I mean, uh, one of the advantages that uh, um our members have is working with our association. Uh, so our, you know, my experience and those types of things has allowed a, a very broad perspective on what's happening in all four corners of our province. So I'm thinking that, you know, the state associations might be a great place to at least have the first conversation saying, so they may not have the, the actual individual in place, but they may know somebody in the network that would be a, a good a good facilitator and be able to understand, you know, what's happening in your state, what's happening in your, your region, uh, and be able to sort of connect all the dots for you. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Tim, that makes a really good uh, moment for a brief pause. We're going to hear a word from our sponsor, Etix. Over 100 fairs across North America trust Etix as their total ticketing and marketing partner. Visit hello.etix.com to learn about cashless solutions for rising games, free custom websites, cash drawer management, and client support every step of the way. Hello.etix.com. We're back. My guest today is Tim Carson, the executive director of the Alberta Association of Agriculture Societies, Edmonton, Alberta. Tim, thank you so much for being with us today. We're talking about uh, a few items that can be a key to successful strategic (laughs) planning, some important items that we need to consider quite honestly, before we actually get started. And and the first thing we talked about was understanding what we want to accomplish, whether or not that is an operational strategy or an organizational strategy. Uh, Then we just finished talking about, you know, finding the right facilitator that will help us through that. So what's the next step that we need to think about? Uh, I see time and time again, people try to get it done. Let's just get it done. So allowing enough time to actually have a, a, a very robust 
uh, strategic planning exercise is absolutely crucial. And it's not like I can simply say, well, you know, you, you'll need 28 hours. That's not how that <laughs> how it works. I mean, there's so many factors that go into understanding what's going to happen at your uh, at your uh, planning session. Um, I personally, I when I uh, facilitate strategic planning, I really enjoy having it over two days. And the reason for that is that it takes uh, different people uh, different amounts of time to assimilate information. So one of the first things that we have to do is actually create a safe space for people to feel comfortable in what we're doing so that they can be fully engaged in, in the conversation and not have to worry about, you know, well, what is people going to think about if I say actually what I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm, those types mm -hmm, of things. So mm -hmm. creating a safe space is, is really important. And if, because we can't have that creative conversation if we're not comfortable in throwing ideas on the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, the other piece is understanding the culture that's in the room, because not everybody is always on the same page. As a matter of fact, most times people aren't on the same page, and there may even be some elephants in the room or controversy or angst or animosity or whatever that is. So the facilitator has to work through all of that in order to make sure that we get to the spot where we've elevated people out of the weeds, if you will, and mm -hmm. to that 10,000 foot level to say, let's stop talking about how we're going to clean the stalls. <laughs> let's start talking about, you know, what are we going to need? Uh, where mm -hmm. are we going to go? And why are we doing this? And, and mm -hmm. you know, when, um, so allowing enough time is absolutely important and, uh, and, and not being so um, timeline driven that we're so anxious to get to the end that we don't get what we actually started out to try to do. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and uh, you know, thinking back to any type of a, a group gathering where you need to come to some consensus, whether it's a board meeting or whatever, that safe space is really important. And that does take some time to create it. Well, let me ask you this, particularly in light of a maybe uh, time constraints from the people involved, uh, expense, perhaps if people have to travel some distance, let's say more from a regional, whatever. And do you know of any examples or have you had any success in maybe doing part of it, uh, shall we say remotely or online and in the, the Zoom space followed up by the live? Is, is, there, is that a tactic that could be considered perhaps in these times? I'm certain that it is, but it takes a whole lot better facilitator than I am. <laughs> That's what I can say about that. And interestingly enough, you know, through this, uh, you know, basically two years of, of uh, online conversation, I think one-on-one, -on -one, like we're doing here today, uh, is, is quite uh, useful. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we're trying to actually draw people into a conversation, um, people are very distracted online. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we don't have that ability to actually create that eye contact, create that uh, feeling where I, I'm safe to say what I want to say. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm personally not a, um, I'm not equipped. How's that? To, to have an online strategic planning. There are some things that can be done as pre-work uh, where, you know, some key questions and some, you know, some uh key conversations that people can actually think about uh, prior to arriving can mm -hmm. help with that. Uh, but again, the, the, for me, even, uh, you know, I, we've, we've got a fairly large province here. It's, you know, whatever it is, 20 hours from one end to the other. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I, I, making the best use of people's time is really, really important. 
So understanding that you're going to have certain steps and we're going to go through a, a, a process, I think is important. And, um, you know, from, from my perspective, the strategic conversation, uh, everybody wants to get to the end. And I, I actually have a, um, a, a session that I was facilitating and there was a gentleman in the room that was actually incredibly agitated <laughs> saying that, you know, we all know what needs to be done. And why aren't we talking about that? And I, I finally said, so, okay, well, tell us what needs to be done. And he came out with it. And it, when he was done, I asked the group, I said, so is this what needs to be done? And they, they went, no. <laughs> and, that, and that was the moment where he clicked and went, oh, I know what I want to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we haven't all come to the same page on how we're going to do what's important. And, uh-huh. you know, it's that, that process, that growth uh, where, you know, in, at times there's there's uh, places within the conversation where people don't even know why we're talking about this. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a facilitator who can, at the end of it all, say, well, this is what I heard. And mm-hmm. pull from all of that conversation. And, you know, when, when the facilitating, <laughs> when I do it, the room is filled with those big sheets of writings and scribblings and all of the stuff uh-huh. that people are telling me. And, you know, I'm able to actually say, well, from here, this is what I heard, and this is what I heard, and then they all mm-hmm. go, "Oh my gosh, yeah, that makes sense." And, you know, and I, and and I think that uh, you know you do have to sort of uh, recognize that through the process and through time, uh, we can all come to a consensus. And you know, in the presentation, I mentioned the fact that strategic planning is one of those things that, when done well. Uh, can bring your organization, your board to a place of uh, incredible ability because we all understand each other. We all understand what's important. We all understand what we're trying to accomplish. And once we get to that spot, um, then, you know, the, the sky's the limit. And that's really, really important. Good, good. That's great. Well, I think we've got one. We've got time to have <laughs> one more item. I know you had four on your list today. I did. Uh, so actually identifying why you're there as an organization, I think is is absolutely critical. Um, and, and I actually owe this, <clears throat> I'll call it an epiphany for lack of a better term, uh, to, to you and your organization. I was uh, invited down while I was taking some of the training courses and we were down and uh, we uh, did a tour of a, um, the rodeo and stock show. And uh, we got to talk with some of the uh, some of the people behind the scenes and some of their board members and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, what I don't think it's unique by any stretch of the imagination, but they don't do the rodeo for the sake of rodeo. They do the, <laughs> what they actually do is they actually provide scholarships for kids. That's why we, that's why we're there. That's why they were there. <laughs> and uh, the rodeo was just a tool for them to do that. Okay. And I think that it's, it's been such a long time that we've been doing what we do that we're focused on what we do and we're not focused on why we do it. Mm-hmm. And whether we're talking about investment from uh, volunteers, whether we're talking about investment from corporations, they want to invest in why you're doing it, not what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for us as organizations, for us as board members, for us as individuals to understand why we're putting in all of this great time and exercising this time, talent and treasure into this event being able to articulate why, uh, I think is really, really important. And I take a page out of Simon Sinek's statements and things of that reach around why. But, you know, um, 
people will invest in why if the why is worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. all of the all of the things that we that we do in this industry uh, are are tremendous. And you know, to say we're in the fun business, that's when we're talking to our customers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a customer line. And we can, like, there isn't a government in the world or a corporation in the world who's going to invest in cotton candy and fair schools. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. right. Yeah. So from, yeah. a, from an organizational standpoint, articulating why we do what we do and the impacts mm-hmm. of that are, mm-hmm. are astounding. And uh, it, it can, like, um, rejuvenate and regenerate your organization to a place where it, you know, it, what it's start, probably started, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's a conversation we don't have a lot these days. Yeah, you're exactly right. And this actually ties in very well with the podcast that aired earlier in this season on the topic of metrics that matter. And, you know, we are so focused sometimes on on that final attendance number. And is that really what it is? You know, attendance will come, but why are we there? That's really great. I really appreciate you bringing that up. Well, Tim, this has been a fabulous session and it's gone by way too fast. (laughs) We may have to, we may have to have part two in next uh, season of our podcast, but uh, just any final thoughts, because I know we'll have some listeners who are thinking about uh, that strategic planning them process. So any final final thoughts on the topic? Uh, at the end of the day, take the leap. Um, invest the time. Uh, if, if you know, at the end of the day, this is uh, it's your greatest marketing tool. It's your uh, greatest directional tool. It will uh, focus your time and make all of the efforts that you do uh, feel very worthwhile. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, invest the time. That's, that's what I have to say. Excellent. That's fabulous. Well, Tim, it's been just wonderful to have you as a guest today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the relationship that we have working with you and the Alberta Association. Uh, it has been great to, to work with you over the years and look for many more to come. So we wish you the best. Thanks. And um, we'll see you down the road. I appreciate being here. Thank you for joining us for Marla by the Numbers, brought to you by Etix. To find out more about the IAFE and our members, please visit fairsandexpos.com or our Facebook page, IAFE The Network.